This is 950 Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 950 Feet Behind. I'm here with the CEO of Social KNX and the Village Workspace and author of Social Media Doesn't Work, Unless You Do, Gina Shrek. Gina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's very nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, so, Gina, when I envisioned this podcast, I decided to start with a very simple question uh, that will allow me to understand how it all began. And it is, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? I wish I was one of those children who knew exactly what I wanted to do. I don't remember, I don't, I, I do remember in very young, in grade school, wanting to be a teacher. But I think that's normal, like third, fourth, fifth grade, you want to be a teacher. And then when I got older, I don't remember having like a, I, you know, I wanted to work at a computer company, but I didn't have a specific uh, industry or, or not industry, a specific um, area within that. And I did work for a computer company in Silicon Valley, California, when I was very young, probably 21, 21, 22, worked for a computer company and I was working in human resources. So that was interesting because I was always interested in psychology. And yeah, I, but I don't remember as a child saying, oh, I really want to be, no one ever says, I want to be a marketing manager. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I started this question, because most guests are like in sales or marketing. And our perception is that no one like grows up to say, wow, a role a in sales person. or marketing will be amazing. <laughs> it just kind of happens. I do hear a lot of young people today saying they want to be a social media, they want to be an influencer or they want to be a social media manager because they think that's being like an influencer, just take pictures of yourself all day. And it's like, oh, there's so much more than that. Um, but I do hear that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I believe that uh, if I look into like my peers and like back in high school, social media was like the dream career because they just right. thought, oh, I'll travel the world. Yeah, until they and yeah, until they have to do it for a lot of companies, and then they go, oh, "This is so hard." <laughs> but you you knew uh, kind of from an early stage that you wanted to work in technology. Where did that passion about technology come from? It is interesting. None of well, uh, my stepfather was very tech. He he was very tech savvy. He worked in the Navy for the United States Navy, and he worked on airplanes, all the computer parts. So he was. He had a computer in our house, but we never we never got to be on it. So I think I always wanted to have, I love technology. And when I worked um, at the computer company in human resources, this is how old I am. We took a class on how to use a mouse, how to use the click, click mouse. There was a class because that had just come out in like 1980. 81 we were learning how to use a mouse and i can remember somebody asking me to fax something and i was so excited i thought oh this is so amazing you put the paper in and you put the phone number and it goes to another state so i always was fascinated by technology and i think the older i got 
the more I became interested and curious about technology and how people connect using technology is more important to me. What I loved early on about social media back in 2007, 2008, I loved how people were connecting and sharing information and you could connect with people around the globe in Portugal that I never would have met before. And here we are through technology. So to me, I'm always looking at what's the next thing. Um, and I've always been the one to get, I, I create an account. The first time a new platform comes out, I create an account. I start playing around in there. Google Glass, I have Google Glass. I got it when it first came out so I could play around and see what is what are they going to do with this Oculus, you know, the meta now looking at Web3 where will that bring us and how will people connect using that? So I'm always fascinated by that. And I love being one of the first people to play around with new technology. No, that's, I think that's definitely very exciting. And, and I can see you're, you're passionate about it. And I think that people who are listening to this will hear it in your voice as well. Uh, but you said you worked in HR, right? And then you, you studied psychology as well. And you, you say that it's important for you how technology connects people. So were they kind of two passions merging together? Probably. And, you know, and I moved from California to, to Colorado right at, a couple years after I had that job. I moved to Colorado and I ended up getting a job where I was in sales. I had never been in sales before, but I just needed money. So I said, yes, I can sell. <laughs> so, so I took a job in sales, but I was selling to human resource managers. So I was able to go and have conversations. And so it was again about relationship and connecting with people. So it was easy to me and I became very good at sales and I moved up and was our regional sales director. I was training our team members how to connect with people, how to build better relationships. Technology, we didn't have social media then. Um, so it wasn't how to use technology to connect. It was just phone calls, you know, making phone calls. But as technology came on the scene, I saw these tools that would allow us to connect easier. Sadly, I think a lot of people use technology instead of connecting with people. They just want to send a message, mass you know, message to everybody instead of saying, how can I use technology to connect and build a relationship and get to know you better through technology? So I think my interest has always been in how do these new shiny objects help us to connect? And that's why social media, to do it right, it's a lot of work. You know, it's not just post something on social media and, and get a bunch of followers. It's post something that's of value to people and get to know your followers, get to know people so they will follow you because you're interested in them and then they'll wanna be interested in you. And I think we are in a, the age of very superficial uh, type of very. content, glamorous life uh, and it misses something more real, uh, something right. that people can actually relate to. Right, and everybody wants to know, how do I get followers? And I said, well, maybe change that. Instead of saying, how can I get followers? Say, how can you be a better person that follows? How do you follow other people that are interesting and learn from them and provide value to them? Then you'll get more followers, you know? But yeah, it's very superficial right now. Everybody just wants, you know, thousands and millions of followers. No, that, that's right. That's right, indeed. And 
then when did marketing and social media come into picture for you? In 2008, so I was speaking at um, a lot of conferences about marketing, not social media, but just about marketing and how sales and marketing work together. And I worked a lot with the cable industry. So the television, all the cable industries, and there was satellite dish and there was cable. And I was doing a lot of work with their marketing teams. And all of a sudden I heard about Twitter and Facebook coming out. And so I get on there and I make my accounts, I set them up. And then I started talking about these tools, how I'm using these to connect with other really smart people around the world to learn things that I can apply here. And we were sharing information. It was so exciting. And I started working on a project with IBM for eight years. And it was a project where we were delivering training to their, we were delivering a program, a, a leadership excellence university at IBM. And it was, um, several courses over the year around the globe. We are going all over and working with these groups of leaders, but they asked, could we deliver it in a virtual world? I didn't know what that meant back then. And they said, again, this was maybe 2009, 2010. And they said that they were using a 3D immersive world, like a video game, like World of Warcraft or like, um, Fortnite, any of these where you go into the game and your avatar is talking to other people that are in the game. Well, IBM was using this type of technology and I was, my mind was blown. And again, I'm looking at it from a marketing perspective saying, wow, we could connect with people and we could share information. Now we can see the information in this virtual world. And so, and, and back then they were using a tool called Second Life, which some people remember that was around. And my marketing took me down this path of using technology. And that's when it kind of merged together. And I became the person that they would ask me to come and speak at conferences. And they would want to ask me like, how, do you, how are you using these tools? And what are these weird things, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Second Life. And so it was one of these things I was in the right place at the right time. And I think being curious will always take you there because if you're curious and you're asking lots of questions and you're willing to learn every day, I was learning so much every day. I wasn't an expert. And I, I always say, I don't want to be the expert. I want to be a student forever because I want to continue learning and learning and learning. Even now I'm in co-working. I own co-working spaces where entrepreneurs come and they work in offices here, but I'm looking at, is there a virtual world component in this whole web three metaverse that will tie into this? When some companies say we have employees in Portugal, we have somebody in China, we have somebody, you know, in Brazil, how do we bring people together? I think still the virtual world is going to come back into play. Yeah, absolutely. You can see the tendency uh, that's taken us there. And did you know straight away when you first opened your Twitter account or your Facebook account that they were going to be revolutionary? I, I, and it's interesting. That's another thing I feel like I'm very good at. Right when I got on Twitter, I said, this is going to be big. Twitter will be big. Um, and even when it was declining over the last years, I kept saying, it's gonna, I still think Twitter, it was so easy to connect with people um, that I loved Twitter. And, and now Twitter's kind of having a comeback moment, you know, with everybody talking about crypto and the metaverse, Twitter is the tool that people are using 
and when when Clubhouse came out, I got on Clubhouse and then I thought, I don't see that this is going to take off. I just it it didn't make sense to me. Like, why are we just seeing audio? We're just hearing each other, and we couldn't both be talking. One person, it was, it seemed very hard to connect. Um, and Clubhouse going down right now. <laughs> I actually had the exact same experience. Everyone yeah. said you have to go on Clubhouse. You love to speak. And I just got there, but it seemed so it was personal. Hard. Yeah. You know, it's I, just I didn't like, like attending a conference without seeing anyone or interacting right. with anyone. And another thing about Clubhouse was it was like you had to start on Clubhouse and bring your network to Clubhouse. You had to bring your network you already had to Clubhouse. It was kind of hard to make a network there. You're using your other network. So I thought that one was hard. Um, you know, Snapchat, I played around on Snapchat, played around on TikTok. I still, TikTok is still one of those, if you're targeting a younger audience, it's still so powerful. Snapchat, I never did see working. Now, what's interesting in other countries is WhatsApp. The US, we don't use WhatsApp as much. Um, and I think that's a, you know, being able to connect one-on-one -on -one with people through an app like WhatsApp is great. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen when everybody is talking web three and what that means and what that looks like. Um, so I, you know, I, I get on, I'm creating accounts. I'm just checking them out um, and seeing, but I knew Twitter was going to be big and, and LinkedIn I've always hoped would be better. LinkedIn is still hard to be social. It's very professional. Yeah. Most people, they go on, they create their account and they never go back um, unless they're looking for a job. So LinkedIn, I feel like needs more work to get people to show up to be social, and Facebook, uh, Facebook is love hate. <laughs> and LinkedIn, it's still I feel very rigid. As in, every time I try to post something or share something, I always think, is this adequate? Right. Because it's a right. business network, and I sometimes hold back if it's a more personal story. But it's actually what's been booming on LinkedIn is personal stories. It is because people, I mean, no matter where you go, it's about relationships and how do you build relationships? I have to get to know you. If all you do is post business, I never get to know you. And in business, I want to do business with people that I like. And so you have to get people to know you. You have to get people to like you. And then you have to get people to trust you. And that is done through showing up every day. And that is done by providing great content, an article that's really helpful or interesting. I always say, be helpful, be interesting, or be quiet. <laughs> I'm going to stake that to my business <laughs> and personal life. Yeah, it's good <laughs> advice. It's good advice for all of us. It's 100% good advice. One of the best I've heard in the last time. Like, whatever you're creating content, just ask yourself, is this helpful or is it just the same old stuff that everyone else is posting? Is it helpful content? That's my unique view on something. And then if it's not helpful, is it at least interesting? Like this is an interesting thought that I had, or this is an interesting, um, I read another article and I find this to be an interesting take and I post something that's interesting. To me, it, that would change the way we create content. If we always ask, is it helpful? Is it interesting? If the answer is no, then delete. <laughs> yeah, don't bother. Absolutely. Don't bother. Yeah. And I actually want to go back a bit um, to your journey. So you started with IBM uh, in 1999. 
how was it being a woman in business in 1999? See, I, I did not work for IBM. I was a contractor going in and doing the training. What I loved is very few women in technology who could speak. <laughs> so it was a perfect trifecta. So I was asked to speak more often because it was unique. I was a woman in technology who wasn't afraid to speak. And I thought it was great. I thought I could stand out um, more so than all the men who were in technology. And some of them were horrible speakers. So if you can get in front of an audience and be passionate and convey your message with enthusiasm, it's easy. Um, you know, it's easier to get ahead. Now I owned my own business, so that was different than, and I, my agency was almost all women. Um, we, I think we had two men over three over the 20 years, almost 20 years that I had my agency and I just sold social connects just in December last year, I sold that business and I, I was always surrounded. Yeah. Thank you. That, I was like, I need to, I need to focus more on building the village workspace. So I'm now opening more locations and I needed not to be able to focus on two things. Um, but I, I do think being a woman in business, you know, we, we had this discussion the other day about, you know, women making less money than men. And I said, you know, there's two sides of that problem. One side is women need to learn how to be assertive. If somebody says, I want to promote you to be a C, uh, you know, the COO, or I want to promote you to be the head of our marketing department, women will usually say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. I probably need to take classes or I need more experience. I don't feel... I don't feel worthy. I don't feel good enough for this. I don't feel smart enough for this. If you ask a man, I want you to be the head of our marketing. They say, okay. And they figure it out when they get in the position. And that problem, we need to start teaching and fixing that problem when girls are young is to say, of course, you're competent. Of course, you're brilliant. Of course, you, you guys are equally competent. So I think part of our problem right now is women say no to leadership positions because they don't feel 100% ready. And they feel like they have to be 100% ready or I have to be 100% perfect before I put a product out, before I put a book out. I have to have it 100% ready. Most men, I'm making general statements, but most men will just say, yes, I'm ready and they'll do it. And and it's great. And if women, and I, I fortunately, I've always been the one, my, my family says I'm overconfident. I will always say yes, and then I figure out, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this, and then I figure it out. Um, I started this business, I knew nothing about this industry, but I, today, there's nothing we can't learn. So you just have to say yes, and then get on there, get on the internet, go take classes, go to conferences, and learn, and you'll figure it out, and surround yourself by really smart people. So you think that it's a problem that starts in youth, that women have to prove themselves more uh, than their male counterparts maybe, and then they grow up feeling a bit insecure that if they're not absolutely flawless, then right. they cannot take any chances. Right, and, and I don't even know, like I keep saying, gosh, I've raised two sons and two daughters. 
my daughters, we have always told them, like, you're amazing. You're so brilliant. You're beautiful. You're, you could do anything. I still see insecurities in them that I don't see in my boys. Now, maybe it's because my boys don't talk about it. I think women, because we are so social and we are so um, connecting with people, we talk about things. So maybe we verbalize those things and then we believe them. Or I also think women are harder on other women. I mean, right now in the news, the big news is Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook. You know, she has been a woman in a very high position and has done a lot for women in these positions. And now because she's leaving, they're investigating her for misuse of funds with the company or something. But I look at it and go, wow, why is that our top news about Sheryl Sandberg? Men have done way worse, but, but women get, I think, focused on when they're in leadership positions more. We're looking for something to go wrong, maybe. I don't know what it is. Like where We need to start when girls are young, obviously, but I think we're doing that. I mean, you look at all that's out there with information and books on women in powerful positions. There's a lot out there for women to feel empowered. Now we have to say, okay, ladies, we need role models and we need accountability partners. We don't need critics. We need to hold each other accountable and say, yes, you take that position. And you know what? I've got your back. I'm going to be here helping you, supporting you, connecting you with my network. Um, and I still think people don't do that as much with women as they do with men. And, and I don't know why that's just, and it's probably just so deep in our societies that we have to, you know, it just takes time. But I think more women need to just feel confident and say, yeah, I, I don't need to be perfect. And I don't need to be a hundred percent to start a business. I don't need to be a hundred percent. I think it's a very woman to woman thing. I think that right. women are not supportive of other women and maybe it's because right. they feel like there's so much competition out there that if they're supportive to someone else, they'll be the ones losing, which is absolutely wrong because when one of us wins, we kind of all win together. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's sad, but I do still see that. And I do still feel that when women, you know, again, back to this new industry that I'm in, in our state of Colorado, there were very few women-owned co-working spaces. So it's commercial real estate. There's very few that are owned by women. And over the pandemic, during the pandemic, two of the bigger players that are women-owned both closed their doors. And it hit me really hard because I thought, okay, why can they not keep their doors open? Why is their business not doing well? Our business has been thriving. And I look at it and go, there's nothing that I'm necessarily doing different than they were but i do think i have a lot of support i have sought out i connect with people for support i belong to networking groups of just co-working owners and we share information and we help each other answer questions and even though we're comp uh, we're competitors we help each other because there's so much business you know yeah, you can all coexist you can all coexist, 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 and we can all help each other to say, if I don't want to, I don't want to cheer anybody. And I don't think anybody who's cheering them on because they close their doors, but I don't think those women 
I, I shouldn't say that, but I know one of them did not reach out because we tried to get her to join our networking group. She did not want to be a part of it because it was like, I don't want to be part of competitors. Um, but it was hard. I, and I looked at it and thought, why is it harder for women? It's harder to get funding. You know, there's lots of challenges. I, I've been in the process of trying to get funding to open another location. And man, the questions and the proof that I have to bring to the table to prove that I'm capable of running more than, you know, two, three locations um, is much more than the men are being asked for at the banks. So it's still harder. It's still more work, but, but man, that just makes me fired up and I'm like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's the way you, you have to be. Yeah. You have to be willing to go the fight and, you know, we can be a victim and we can complain about it or we can say, well, what are we going to do? We like, prove everybody wrong, you know, prove them wrong and get out there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually wanted to ask you a question. Thank you so much for bringing the pandemic subject um, up. How is it having a co-working space or two, two locations with the effects of a pandemic? We opened our doors two weeks before the pandemic. So we opened our doors March 2nd, 2020. And we were so excited. Wow. We had 10 people come in and got offices in our space. We have 30 offices in this location, 30 offices, and then a lot of open space to work in. And we had 10 people come in, got offices. And we were so excited. We're like, this is going to be amazing. 10 days later, they were saying, everybody's going to you know, shut down here in our state. We didn't, we never had to close our doors. We were able to stay open, but we all started wearing masks. We all kind of quarantined together. Like people would come in, they go in their office, they close their door, they worked private office. So we, we, it was slower than we wish it would have been over the first year, but then things started picking up because everybody that went to work from home suddenly didn't want to work from home. A lot of people were saying, I can't work from home. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. I'm stressed. I need people. I need human connection. Um, and it goes back to that building community, which is ironic. I'm doing that again in person now. People are coming in and it's now how do we build relationships and community with each other and help each other build our businesses in a space that we come into work. And and now we're full and you know expanding in this location where we're, we're Get ready to expand here and open another location, hopefully by the end of this year. So it's wow, that's good. yeah, that's amazing news. And do it you is. think you said technology connects people, and there will be a, a big future of sort of online ways to connect? But do you think people will always go back to in-person contact? I do. I just feel like right now in our world, there is a loneliness epidemic. And people, because of technology, people have become very isolated. They can work from home. They can socialize from home. They can watch movies from home. They don't have to go out. And the pandemic made so many people filled with fear to go out that now we have this problem where people feel isolated. They feel very lone. You know, they're alone. They're, they're scared. They're stressed. Um, and more and more people. I mean, the whole depression is going up and um, loneliness is going up and suicide is going up because people feel so isolated. 
And that's one thing here is when we open, I open it with my two daughters. They also um, work with me. And we said our number one goal was when people walk in the door, we want to know their name. We want to get to know their family. We want to know what their business is. We want to help them. There are days people come in and say, I just need a hug. And they just come and hug. Um, there's days when people cry that their business is not doing well. And we sit down with them and we say, okay, well, let's talk about what, what are you doing? What's working? What's not working? And I, I just think there's no way that people will ever get to a point where we don't need that. I think technology. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think we're going to need a different types of places to work. It's almost like we need a community place where we can come in but then maybe our team members are in other countries and we can connect through technology. But then we also have people that we can sit at a table and eat lunch with them um, and not be by ourselves. And I think that's the ideal. To have uh, an option to combine you both. Need, you need both. You, you have to be able to connect with people that are working everywhere because we all work globally now. Um, but we also have to have somebody that understands us that we can tell when things are going bad. Like we have people, when we see them come in, we go, there's something wrong. Like they won't say anything, but we can tell there's something wrong. And then we'll just go in and ask them, you know, how, how are things going and sit down and talk to them. We need that more than ever. We need that. And sometimes that's all it takes to run up a person's day and, and improve their mood. Right? Absolutely. Because maybe then they start talking and they tell you what's going on. And I say, that's what to me, co-working is about. It's not just, I have a space that has offices. I make money off offices. It's, we have a community and a place where we connect that happens to have offices. It's different. That's a very interesting view. Yeah. And I just looked at the time and we're almost running out of time. So I'm going to be a bit longer than usual because I still have two questions okay. that I really okay. have to ask you. Okay. Uh, one of them is I was reading the description of the village workspace and I read that you have a nursing lounge and a kid's room, um, which to me as a working mom um, really seemed like you, you care about primary caregivers and how they can work and keep their family. So was that what you had in mind when you created those? Yes, I, I was a working mom when my children were young. I always had to work. And when when there were days I had to bring my kids to work with me, they came to work with me and they would sit down under the desk and they would color and they would write. And so I knew that as a mom, those are just things that we always have to juggle. That's always a, the stress of mothers. Um, and then when we were building this space, the first one, my daughter, who's 31, she had a baby. So we were looking at what is the ideal work environment for working moms, not just moms, but working parents, but it's mostly moms. There, there has been a dad who brought his son to work here, but mostly it's moms. So we have a room that if you bring your kids because school got closed or you know, you have to bring them to work with you for whatever reason, there's a room that there's toys and there's games and there's a changing table. And then we have a nursing room if you're pumping or if you want to just go in and sit in there and relax on a velvet chaise lounge and nurse your baby instead of sitting in a break room um, or in a closet, in a bathroom or something. We just, we looked at it from our perspective of what would we want? And we have nap rooms because now I'm older, I want naps in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that as well, and I thought that was a brilliant idea. Oh, two o'clock. I just need a quick nap. 
Yeah, so I hope my company implements it soon. CEO, if you're listening to this, not from <laughs> I think it's important. We have to look at how can we make the lives easier and better for the people who work here um, and they'll stay longer. Yeah, if they have a good experience, right? Right. Because that's all that matters. Yeah. And so many moms. It's so stressful. So stressful. Yeah, it is indeed. My, my daughter is 15 months old and it's just ne never ending. It's never ending. And you will do podcasts and you will be recording and you'll have your baby next to you sometimes. And that's just what we do. Like we just have to, we make it work. And I, I say we, because I, I do feel like women will just do that. We don't even, there's no second you know, thought. We just do it. Um, we'll just work with what we have. Yes. And I think we need to now create workspaces that support that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my last question, because I'm really over time here, but that's, I think that's my signature move yeah. is what are your hopes for the future of women of working moms in the workplace? What do you think we can still change to make it better for all of us? There's so much still that we can change. And I think a lot of it is just the, the pandemic has taught us a lot that we need to offer flexibility. We need to um, realize that the stress of women should not have to choose. You know, when we talk about equal pay, women get to a, a career point with men equal. And then the woman has to decide, am I going to uh, leave my job for a while to have a, a baby? Men don't usually have to make that decision. They might choose that. But most men don't have to make that choice. Women have to make that choice. Do I have a child or do I keep working? Now I have a child. Now I'm behind this man who's been moving up and I now come back in over here. So that's another part of the problem. So I think, you know, the pandemic has showed us let's offer flexibility. Keep working. Bring your baby to work or you stay home three days a week and you, you know, let's work with you to make this work. And I, I see that that's going to become more and more important as employees realize it can be done. We just have to think different. It, we, we can't work, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five, uh, the same way we did before. Let's get creative and, and make it work for working parents. And more women, more women will rise up and realize, oh, I can do both. I, I don't have to just choose one. Yeah, I sure hope so. Yeah. Because we're not in the good old days in which no. just one person working was enough right right times are different so we need to change the way things are done yeah yes i i agree so thank you so much for joining me um this time has flown by thank you yes it was and very, i hope you enjoyed it thank you it was a great conversation with you thank you so much and thank you to our listeners for being here and i'll see you next week with the VP of Sales at Convergent IS and author of How to Be a Nomad, Go from Business Suit to World Backpacker, Kim Merlesti. I'll see you then.